Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go, Denver's best subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can for only $39 a month with no additional costs or fees. You heard that right. No additional fees, literally hundreds of events for $39 a month. For instance, over the next few weeks, you could hit up the big, wonderful beer fest, Taps and Tails, the Indie Card Haunted House. There's literally something for everyone. We're talking concerts, beer tastings, food fest, comedy shows, 5Ks. Anything else that you can imagine. If it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that In We Go can get you in. Here's where it gets good. We've partnered with In We Go to give BSN listeners a great deal. If you go to inwego.com backslash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe, you're going to get 50% off your first month. That's right. All events in Denver for under 20 bucks during your first month. Try it and fall in love with it. Go to inwego.com backslash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Inwego. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumlee. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in L.A. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? We was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your host, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. As always, the BSN Nuggets podcast is presented by Inwego, the subscription that can get you into almost any event in Denver. Harrison Wind, Christian Clark, post-game edition of the podcast. The Nuggets won again. They're 4-0, 126-112 over the Sacramento Kings. This is the best start from the Nuggets to begin a season since 2009-2010 when they went 5-0. The defense wasn't as good tonight. I think we all expected a little bit of a drop-off from the defense after those first three games, but the offense kind of hit its stride. We've got a lot to get into on today's show. Right away, though, I want to get to the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. We've got a question from Chris, although it's a question that was called in before the game. This sets up well to talk about this Kings game here on Tuesday night. Hey, it's Chris in Denver. Um, pretty good weekend for Nuggets basketball, I'd say. Uh, looks like we got another big week coming up, but for different reasons. Um, the home opener, I feel like the, Den- the Nuggets, they passed their first road game test. The, not the home opener, the opener opener. The home opener, they, they took a team they should beat, and they, and they beat them you know, handily. Uh, that was another thing that they didn't always do last year that I think bodes well for this coming year. Uh, and then, obviously, the Warriors, they passed a back-to-back test. They passed the Warriors test. And they also won a game where they were the underdogs. They overcame a tough injury. I think that was a really, really big win for the Nuggets. It said a lot of things about the team that, you know, quite frankly, a lot of us are rightfully questioning. I think Tuesday's also a test game. It's the trap game test game. It's the third game in four days test game. What do you guys think about that? Do you think a big win Tuesday can say anything about the Nuggets? Do you think it could say anything about this team? Uh, my second question is about Will Barton. 
Uh, why so coy with the injury? I mean, we are, we know it's a strained core. We know that's two to six weeks, maybe two months, worst-case scenario. Why are they being so coy? Is there something else wrong, or do they just not talk about injuries? I don't know. I'm just curious about that. And my final question is about Tim Connolly. Um, we all know Mike Malone got extended, deservedly so, but Tim Connolly, the guy that built this team, that rebuilt this roster, the guys that were saying, you know, on three, six weeks, he built a team full of guys that love to play and love to play for the Nuggets. Why hasn't he been extended? Um, should we read anything to Arturis Karnasovas turning down the Sixers interview? Did he turn down the Sixers interview because Philly's a shithole and Denver rules? Or did he turn down the Sixers interview because he had an executive VP waiting for him in Denver? I don't know. Just a little bit curious, you guys. Uh, it's just been on my mind lately. Curious your thoughts. And, oh, who you guys got in the fist fight? Zach Lowe or Howard Beck? Um, as always, love the show, guys. You killed it over at BSN Denver. You all should subscribe if you haven't yet. Uh, keep up the great work, and go Nuggets. Chris, thank you for the question. If you guys do have questions for the show, as always, the Total Beverage Fan Hotline is 1-800-BSN-8394. 1-800-BSN-8394. If you've never called in before, all it is is an answering machine, so leave your name, leave where you're calling from, and leave a question for the show. We'll play it just like that. Let's get to the two things Chris addressed at the tail end of his question before we get into this Kings win from Tuesday night. The injury with Will Barton, are the Nuggets being coy about it? I don't really think so. I mean, he underwent successful surgery Tuesday morning to repair core and hip muscle injuries. NBA teams kind of always play coy with these injuries. They don't want to reveal too many specifics uh, when it comes to timetables and whatnot. They said he's going to be reevaluated in six weeks. Nothing too surprising there from some of the reporting that came out. I think this is pretty much par for the course for uh, NBA teams. And then your second question, Chris, about, or I guess your third question about Tim Connolly. I would expect Tim Connolly to get extended, just like Michael Malone got that extension right before the season started. I mean, I spoke spoken a lot about the credit Malone deserves for helping instill this workmanlike mentality at Pepsi Center, uh, help instill a player development program where guys have really matured and whatnot. Well, Tim Connolly is responsible for putting the players in place for Michael Malone to help mold and help develop. So as much credit as Malone's getting, Tim Connolly deserves as much, maybe even more, because uh, you know he's the one deciding which players bring are brought to Denver. He's you know the one who's deciding which players he wants to build around and help reshape this culture in the first place to Chris's point. So uh, I think he should get an extension. I think it's pretty open and shut case. I don't see a lot of reasons why he wouldn't, especially with how this year started off. Yeah, this is just a, a ridiculous roster of homegrown talent. I mean, think of all the guys that the Nuggets have found on the margins. Nikola Jokic is the 41st overall pick. Will Barton was a bench warmer in Portland who was brought into Denver and has turned into an excellent, um, you know, versatile player, starting small forward role this year. So, yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. I mean, I think Tim Connolly deserves to be here for a, a while longer after 
the excellent job him and his staff have done bringing talent in here. And look, this is how the Nuggets had to rebuild this roster, right? Think back to three, four, five years ago when Tim Conley took over. Denver was not looked at as a free agent destination by any means. Say what you want about them as a free agent destination now. What they were four or five years ago is so many rungs and notches lower on on free agents' minds than they are right now. So they've come a long way in that department. And to rebuild a roster in a market like Denver and what the market was four or five years ago, you had to do it through the draft. Nuggets have had some misses in the draft. Emmanuel Moutier, for one. But still, they've built this core solely through the draft. And then as they've built up the roster, built up the culture, built up their clout around the league, then the free agents start to come. And we saw that with Paul Millsap. And we could see that again next summer. Yeah, I mean, getting Gary Harris, Yusuf Nurkic, and Nikola Jokic in one draft, that's an all-time draft. That's yeah. an A+. plus. I mean, that sets you up for years and years and years. Hitting on Jamal Murray at seven, that was a really good pick as well. The Nuggets love the draft. Tim Connolly is a huge, huge draft guy, and they've done excellent. I mean, this had to be rebuilt from the ground up. Things were, I think, so bad here, um, you know, in the early part of Tim Connolly's time in Denver. Uh, the building had to be knocked down to the foundation and built back up again, and now the foundation is strong, and it looks pretty. It definitely does. At five or four and oh, sorry, looks very pretty as well. So let's get into this game here. The Nuggets, of course, beat the Kings Tuesday night at Pep Center, 126, 112. I know Chris was kind of getting into one of the big themes around of tonight's game. And that theme was this is a game that the Nuggets would have been vulnerable in a year ago, two years ago. And. There was some concern, I felt, in the air at Pepsi Center tonight. A lot of people you talked to around the Nuggets were saying, yeah, like this game is more nerve-wracking for us than the Warriors game because this is the type of game we've lost in the past. Coming off an emotional win like the Golden State one was, the first game without Will Barton, this game... Like, there's not going to be the crowd that there was for the Warriors game or that home opener against the Suns it could have the potential to be a letdown game. It's been the type of game that's been a letdown game for the Nuggets in the past. But I mean, this looks like a different Nuggets team this year. We said it throughout the night. Something feels different about this team this year. And I think there's a lot of factors that go into that. We've been rattling them off all summer and all preseason. But the Nuggets of last year might have dropped this game, but it just seemed like from the opening tip, at least from my vantage point, I'm curious if you felt the same way, there was no way the Nuggets were going to lose this game tonight. Well, it was a wire-to-wire victory. And what you said about there's a different feeling around this Nuggets team this season, it's absolutely true. I think anybody who is around the locker room can kind of sense that. The Nuggets, you know, 1 through 17, know exactly, you know, the effort level that they had to give game in and game out. And the... F- the attention to detail on the defensive end specifically that's required in order for them to make the playoffs comfortably. That's that's their goal. You know, a home court advantage is probably on the ambitious side of their goal, but I would say a lot of guys in that locker room feel like it's doable. And look, last season, the Nuggets were one of the most inconsistent teams in the NBA. They beat Portland and Oklahoma City three times. They beat Golden State San Antonio twice. 
But sprinkled in were losses to Sacramento, Atlanta, New York, Dallas, Memphis. Some horrible losses. This was setting up to be one of those trap games, coming off an emotional win over Golden State. And the Nuggets just completely dominated from start to finish. Uh, I mean, look at the point totals. They put up um, the first three quarters. Hung 33 in the first, 35 in the second, 37 in the third. I mean, they had a they had a lead, uh, and it only grew after each of those quarters. I mean, the Nuggets, Michael Bowen subbed the starters out in the third quarter, and that was it. And the bench guys played the rest of this game. They did exactly what they needed to do against a terrible team. Right. And against a team like the Kings, you got to put them away early. Against those teams like the Hawks, the Suns, the Mavs, the Grizzlies, some of those games the Nuggets dropped last year to those Western Conference bottom feeders and Eastern Conference, for that matter. They didn't put them away early. They let those teams stick around. Those guys start hitting some shots, and all of a sudden, like Michael Malone likes to say, they're shooting into a big basket. <laughs> By the end of the game, the Nuggets didn't let the Kings do that tonight. They came out, like you said, put up 33 in the first quarter, 35 in the second quarter, built a 20 point lead at the half and built on that into the third. And they just took care of business. This game was boring tonight, but it was boring because the Nuggets just flat out dominated the Kings in really every facet of the game. The most exciting part of the game, at least for me, was the first quarter and watching what Gary Harris did right out of the gate. And one of the questions I had about this team in the wake of Will Barton's injury and losing his 15-plus points per game that he averaged last season for the next six weeks, at a minimum, who's going to pick up the scoring load? Because we know this Nuggets defense has looked really good. Its offense has kind of been hit or miss throughout the first three games of the season. Would the Nuggets offense really suffer without Barton? And I think we learned tonight and we also learned against the Warriors when Harris had, what, 28 points. He's probably going to be a guy that shoulders more of the offensive load in Will Barton's absence. I mean, he goes for 18 tonight on 8 of 12 shooting. I think 11 of those came in the first quarter. And look, he didn't play the entire fourth quarter and some minutes in the third. So it was a big night for him. And we were talking about this. I mean, the growth we're seeing from Gary Harris, we saw it two years ago. We saw it last year. We've seen it through three games this year. It's just, uh, it's fascinating. It's extraordinary. He's gone to another level somehow, some way. I mean, the handle looks even tighter. He looks even more comfortable putting the ball on the deck this year. And I thought he did make strides in that area of his game last year, but He's made even more strides this year. It's pretty clear. You've, you've seen him go to that between-the-legs crossover move a couple of times now. It's so quick. It's so tight. You saw that behind-the-back dribble he used it to shake Klay Thompson almost out of his shoes in that Golden State game. Gary made his first five shots of the game against Sacramento. I mean, a lot of nice takes to the rim. Some great two-man game with Nicole Jokic yeah. per usual. I mean, their chemistry is just off the charts. And those two guys have gotten each other from day one. I mean, that's one of the most fun things about watching the Nuggets on a game-in and game-out basis is just <laughs> Nicole Jokic's and Gary Harris's dribble handoff dance. It's so funny to watch those guys go to work. I mean, Gary Harris is incredible, man. He, he's averaging 21 points per game on 50.8% shooting. 
you know, over these first four games, he hasn't shot the three ball particularly well. Right. I mean, I, I imagine if that starts falling at the 40% rate that he's been at pretty much the last two seasons, um, I think we're going to get Gary Harris's best season yet. I agree. It's certainly shaping up for his best season yet. He's criminally underrated in my mind. I think he's criminally underrated in the mind of Michael Malone, a lot of people around the Nuggets, probably his teammates as well. Because in a sense, he's kind of overshadowed a little bit by Nikola Jokic. And think about how underrated Nikola Jokic is to the average basketball fan. And think about what that means for Gary Harris, who's playing under Nikola Jokic in Denver, a market and a team that hasn't gotten a lot of recognition and respect prior to this little hot start to the season where they're you know finally getting some national pub. But yeah, Gary is one of the most underrated players in the league for sure. If he was in the Eastern Conference, I think he'd be an all-star. I think he even has all-star potential in the Western Conference because it's unfair to really put a ceiling on him now. Like we've seen him come from a rookie where he barely played, had some of the worst shooting numbers for a rookie in like the history of the league. It's been well documented. He's slowly added little and little to his game every season. For me, the biggest thing that I've noticed with him from last year to this year is his handle. And he improved his handle so much last year, but this year, using his handle to get into those step-back jump shots, using his handle to go between the legs at the drop of a hat and go by guys around uh, to the hoop. Like there were so many examples of that tonight and like his game is just growing and growing and growing. He just seems like he gets better with every single rep he gets. I think even by NBA player standards, which are ridiculous, Gary Harris is on, you know, he's one of the better athletes. I mean, not like top shelf NBA athlete with a 45 inch vertical, but He's a very good athlete for playing in the NBA. You know, Gary Harris has this wide receiver background. He could have gone anywhere in the country to play receiver if he'd gone down the football path. And I think you see that show up in a lot of his game. He's got such good hands, such good balance, such good body control. I thought Mason Plumley had some really insightful comments about the game. Uh, Mason Plumley said, quote, he's playing at another level right now. His stop and go, his pace. He's a top tier athlete, but his pace. Now he's adding that to it. You know, Gary Harris has always been fast, but he's shaking guys by going from fast to slow and slow to fast in a way I've never seen before. It was so evident on that play in the first quarter, the best kind of dribble move, ISO penetration that I think I might have seen from Gary over his time in Denver. Uh, One quick between the legs dribble where he goes from his left to his right hand. I think he was on the left wing when he did that got all the way to the hoop, and that's a great example of what you were talking about. He was going slow, just working his man into his uh, dribble move, and then just exploded off the bounce, got right by his guy and all the way to the hoop. So he's becoming an expert at changing speeds. He's becoming so much better in isolation as a scorer, as a clutch shot maker too. That's something he did. In the Clipper game, if you remember, he hit that late jumper. I think it was a 14-footer going to his right, and that's another thing. Once you get Gary Harris going to his right hand, he's almost unstoppable. Off of dribble handoffs, off of high screens from Nikola Jokic, he's unstoppable going to that hand. And uh, I think we're seeing just so much growth from him. 
as an ISO player getting his own offense and, you know, as a passer, as a facilitator, as a playmaker, and uh, as a clutch shot maker as well. It's been fun to watch. He was my biggest takeaway from tonight probably. And I would expect some more big offensive games from him in the near future, especially since Denver's going to be without Will Barton for uh, quite some time here. We've got some more questions to get to on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. Before we do, though, it's that time of year for many sports fans, and that means it's time to win some money. The most important thing I hear from fans when it comes to online betting is how fast can I get my money after I win? That's why I'm happy to tell you guys about my bookie. Not only does my bookie offer the highest credit card acceptance rates, but when you win, they pay out fast, putting money in your hands right away. So here's what you need to know about my bookie. First off, I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me. And that's exactly why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win and they pay you fast. They also have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. If you join my bookie right now, they will match your deposit dollar for dollar if you use the promo code BSN100. So visit my bookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code BSN100 when creating your account. And my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. You play, you win, you get paid. Let's move on from Gary Harris. Again, I think he was the biggest story, the biggest takeaway from this night. I think he's going to emerge more and more as a go-to option for the Nuggets with Will Barton out of the lineup over the next six weeks. Another potential go-to option who kind of broke out tonight, along with the rest of Nuggets offense, was Paul Millsap. I thought this was his best offensive game of the year. He looked comfortable out there. He was hitting layups finally. He was himself on the defensive end. What did you think of his night and just this entire Nuggets offense Getting on the same page, this was probably their best offensive performance of the year. I was against the Kings, but you know, a game's a game. Yeah, I mean, to put up 30-plus in the first three quarters was really impressive. I think this was Millsap's best offensive game of the season so far. Uh, Millsap was 7-for-24 from the field um, coming into this game against Sacramento. Uh, went 6-for-10, 15 points. You know, Millsap was missing those bunnies in those first three games. I mean, it w- it wasn't so much difficult mid-range shots as as much as like a three-foot shot that, you know, normally he makes 65% of the time. Um, Millsap got those to go this game. I mean, I don't think you should have been alarmed with, with Millsap's offense after watching him struggle in those first three games, but it was a little discouraging watch- watching him miss so many gimmies. Uh, he got that to go tonight, and and look, <laughs> Millsap was really really valuable in those first three games. Make no mistake about it. Just from what he brought from a defensive standpoint, um, you know, if he's going on offense, he's going to be that much more valuable. Yeah, I mean, it was good that Paul got going tonight because he was shooting seven of twenty four from the field before tonight's game. He was under thirty percent shooting from the field uh, before tonight. Had not made a three on the year. Made one tonight, which was good to see. And like I've said before, the Nuggets don't need Paul Millsap to be a go-to guy night in, night out, who's going to score 20 points a game. That's not what they brought him here for. They brought him here for his defensive skills and instilling a defensive-first culture in here, which he's done this season now that he's healthy. 
but they will need him just to make the shots he should make around the rim, kind of a few of those mid-range jumpers that he's made a career out of. And they probably will need him to close some games down the stretch throughout the season when Gary might not have it going. Nicole Jokic, maybe he's in foul trouble or whatnot. And the Nuggets offense just kind of isn't operating at peak performance like it tends not to on some random nights throughout the regular season and tight games in fourth quarters. Maybe then the Nuggets will need Paul Millsap to be that closer like he was against that game against the Thunder last year when he had 30-plus and a bunch of points in the fourth. But it was good for him to get going. It was good for his confidence because the Nuggets need Paul Millsap to play on the offensive end of the floor with confidence. They need him taking the shots that the defense gives him and if he's making them, that's obviously a bonus. Bounce back night for Paul Millsap. Bounce back night for Jamal Murray as well. Murray yeah. went 0 for 9 from the field against Golden State. You know, we spoke to him today, and he's, I think, some injuries and illnesses were affecting him a little bit in the early parts of the season. He's wearing ankle braces on both ankles right now because he's tweaked both of them. Uh, he's getting over some flu like symptoms. He, he took a knee to the leg against Golden State. So I think he's a little banged up right now, but he still can get really hot in a hurry. We saw that in the third quarter when he scored 14 of his 19 points. Michael Malone you know, told us after the game that he decided he was just going to go to Murray that quarter um, to try and get it going a little bit. That worked. Harrison, I think we're seeing Jamal take a couple more of the, those pull-up threes that you literally spent the whole summer trying to get him to take. I mean, did you have a conversation with him when you guys were out in California for training camp or something like that? No, but I think it was fairly obvious watching him last year that he needs to be taking more of those shots. When he's healthy and he's a little banged up right now, which I think is contributing to his sh- shooting struggles or did contribute to his shooting struggles before tonight, he had a couple tweaked ankles that are still giving him trouble. He's wearing ankle braces on both of them. He's just not moving the same way he moved last season and even at the very beginning of this season, I don't think. Uh, But those types of shots can be deadly for him because, A, he can make them. He's that good of a shooter, I think, when he's healthy, when he's uh, in good rhythm. So it's a good shot for him, I believe. And it also helps the rest of the Nuggets offense because that really puts the defense in a tough spot. If they've got to account for Jamal Murray pulling up from 25 feet on a three-on-two fast break, that's going to put some fear in the defense's mind. Yeah, for sure. And I I saw Ray Martinelli uh, tweet back at us tonight. You know, Murray's going to look a lot quicker once he's taking more of those pull-up threes. I think what he meant is, you know, defense is going to have to play up on him tighter, and it's just right. going to be a lot easier for him to go by, guys. Um, I thought Ray made a, made a really good point there. The driving lanes are just going to open up for him so much more when he takes those more daring three-pointers. Yeah, and like I said, I think he's a good enough shooter to take those shots. Sometimes those shots are only reserved for the likes of Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, but it's funny. We're in this three-point revolution, obviously, and threes are getting taken at a historically high rate, and that number is going to go up even more year by year. I still don't think we're as close as we think we are to 
how many threes teams will be taking in a couple years. And, uh, like, the more threes, the better, probably, if you're a guy like Jamal who can certainly make them at a high clip. Yeah, we're going to need a wider court and a three, the three-point line moved back in five or ten years, I think. You think? Yeah, I mean, I like threes, man, but I don't know. I feel like we're going to get to a certain point where it's just like, all right, we got to make this more difficult. <sighs> yeah, it's already so tough to defend. That's I know scores are up and offense is up this year already. I mean, just looking at the scoreboard tonight, there were three games. The fewest amount of points scored were 109. So, like, scoring is up across the league, of course. I think there's a bunch of different factors why the freedom of movement, there's more fouls being called, there's more free throws being taken, pace is much higher, too. But also, I think a reason why offense is up is because it's so damn hard to play defense these days. These guys are so unbelievable athletically. It's so hard to stay in front of them. It's so hard to guard everybody in this league. Everybody is so skilled. Even the Sacramento Kings, they got a a ton of guys who are just so skilled, so athletic, so hard to stay in front of on the offensive end. Defense is so hard to play these days. Yeah, I mean, it's probably never been harder to play defense. So why is the NBA enforcing all these ticky-tack free-to-movement calls? Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure. This I'm one not sure. this one flowed tonight. It w- it was a quick one. Uh, it was a lot better than the 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 previous two. I think. I agree. Let's go ahead and take a break. We'll be right back. We still got a couple more questions to get to on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. And some more observations from this game. We'll be right back. Hey, BSN fans. Your favorite Colorado sports network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer. And we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the bar page where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer whenever they want. Just go to bsnbars.com and you can get one free Coors Banquet at any bar on that list. All you have to do is show the bartender the VIP image on that page in your browser and you can retrieve a free Coors Banquet beer at any of those bars. There are over 20 bars there. You're sure to find one close to you. It's bsnbars.com. Find a bar and get a free Coors Banquet on the house. Thanks for listening to the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. Post-game edition of the pod. The Nuggets take down the Kings 126-112 on Tuesday night. They move to 4-0, 3-0 at home. How you feeling about my 15-game prediction where the Nuggets will be 10-5 after 15 games? I'm feeling like you might have got it right, and I'm feeling like uh, are the Nuggets going to exceed it? They might. I wasn't banking on that Warriors win being one of their 10 wins, Uh, but hey, I'll take it. Let's move over to the bench because I thought the bench had an interesting night. They had some good moments, and I think the overall theme of this bench is, hey, this starting lineup is going to be so good with or without Will Barton. If the bench can just hold even, that's a win. If they can be in the positives, that's an unbelievable win, and you're probably winning that night because that's how good this starting unit is. Can the bench just hold even? And, like, tonight they did, and I think there's going to be a lot of cases throughout the year where they do so. They look great in the preseason. They've been kind of up and down through the Nuggets' first three games. I thought they had a really solid night tonight. 
Let's start with Monte Morris. We've got a question on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline about him. So let's go there right now. Hi, yes. This is uh, Joe calling from Baltimore, Maryland. My question is about Monte Morris. Uh, after watching the win against Golden State and seeing his plus-minus 18-plus for the game, uh, my question is about, um, with Will Barton going down, do you ever think there would be a chance that Monte would go into the starting lineup um, and play that true point guard spot? I know Jamal is ahead of him in the depth chart, but um, Monte, I think it will come out strong and uh, has really been improving well. And additionally, what do you think happens when Isaiah Thomas comes back to the lineup? Do you foresee a chance where Monte would have a dip in playing time, or do you foresee um, a chance where Monte may get increased playing time down the line with how well he's been playing the first couple games? Thank you for your time. Thanks for the question, Joe. When it comes to Monte, I think he's been solid. He struggled to shoot the ball, though. Just 4-12 tonight against the Kings. Was 4-10 against the Warriors. 3-9 the opener against the Clippers. But the Nuggets have needed him to play some pretty significant minutes. Probably more than I thought he would play right off the bat. I mean, he played 29 minutes tonight, mainly because Jamal Murray was a little banged up and Nuggets didn't want to push him so hard. What are your, just some of your overall thoughts on how Morris has looked through these first four games? You know, Morris, uh, I think, was not great in those first three games. Um, he looked um, like he was maybe lacking in confidence a little bit or, or looking unsure, and maybe that shouldn't have been that surprising. I mean, those were the first, like, real NBA rotation minutes he's played. But I, I think these last two games against Golden State and then against the Kings that it looks like he's found his footing a little bit. Uh, Monte was excellent as a distributor against the Kings, seven assists compared to zero turnovers. Uh, we know Monte Morris was a guy who set the NCAA record in assist to turnover ratio when he was at Iowa state. It's fun to watch Monte, you know, not only in the pick and roll, he's got really good chemistry with Plumlee throwing those lobs up there, but you know, like tonight, there was an offensive rebound on the ball swung to him, and he already knew what he was going to do with the ball before he caught it. He was going to he was going to throw it to Torrey Craig on the opposite side of the floor that set up a Torrey Craig three. Monte thinks about the play bef- the next play before the ball is even his, in his hands a lot. Um, I mean, he's been really good running the team the last two games. Yeah, he's been solid. Uh, he's been solid. He has been spectacular, but he's been doing what the Nuggets need him to do. I would like him to have a little more confidence in his jumper. I mean, he took 12 shots, so it's not like he's being hesitant by any means. Maybe by confidence, I mean, I just wish he would hit a few more jumpers from the field. But I think that will come. It seems like he's still rushing things a little bit. Michael Malone said after, it was either after that Clipper game or that Phoenix game, that he was out there looking like he was afraid to make a mistake. And he just needed to play more free. That's what he's done. The one thing Monte has done really well is he's taken care of the ball. Only two turnovers on the year for Morris. Zero against the Clippers, one against the Suns, one against the Warriors. Zero tonight against the Kings. So that's really great. Oh, I guess that shouldn't be a surprise considering this is a guy who is known for his assist-to-turnover ratio. And he's already piling that up as the season goes on here. Second part of that question there, is Monte Morris going to overtake Jamal Murray in the starting lineup? No, he won't. Last part of that question, 
when Isaiah Thomas comes back, what's going to be Monte's role? How will that affect Monte's role? I know it's speculating a lot here, but how would you see that situation sorting out? Say that Morris is playing at the level he has over these first four games for the next 20, 30, however many games it takes for Isaiah Thomas to get back and healthy again. Yeah, I've kind of gone back and forth in this uh, in my head because, you know, if if Monte continues to play uh, about the level we've seen the last two games, that would stink to have to, you know, take him out of the rotation. Um, I, he, he does such a solid job of running that second unit, but, I mean, those minutes are probably going to go to Isaiah Thomas, right? I, mean, I would think, yeah. I, Isaiah Thomas is not that far from finishing fifth in MVP voting <laughs> right. and averaging 29 per, points per game on a ridiculous efficiency. So I would imagine those mi- minutes are going to go to uh, Isaiah Thomas. I know when we did our back and forth, you know, one of our questions was, who do you think is going to make more of an impact this year, uh, Monte Morris or Isaiah Thomas? I said Monte, and I'm thinking that I was probably a little overzealous there. I just love me some Monte, man, in that backup role. He's been role. solid. He's been solid. He's been what the Nuggets have hoped he would be. The reason I said Isaiah in that back and forth wasn't because I, I'm not a fan of Monte and didn't think Monte could really help this team win because he has in these first four games. It's just that... Monte doesn't really raise their ceiling at all as a club. He raises their floor for sure because he's so solid and you know what you're getting from him on a night-to-night basis. Maybe with Isaiah, your floor is a tiny bit lower, but really not that much lower. Your ceiling is just so much higher. And so that's why I felt like he would play a bigger role and have more of an impact on this team, however you want to take that word uh, for the rest of of the season. We've got one more question on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline about the bench. Let's go to it right now. What's up, guys? This is Ray from Maryland. Super excited after that last game against the Sacramento Kings. Love the defense. Love the ball movement. Uh, but speaking of ball movement, when it comes to the bench, you know what I see is that there's not that not as many two-man actions as, as I'd like. Not as many pick and rolls. Not as many you know flare screens, back doors. Uh, do you guys see a similar thing? Do you think we can improve in that sense? Um, otherwise, it was a great game. All right, have a good night. Yeah, I mean, just going with kind of a, a gut feeling. I th- I think you're probably right that there's a little, the bench unit is a little more stagnant than the starting unit, and that's just because mainly Nicole Jokic is in the starting unit now. I mean, the ball. Is just going to fly all all over the floor when Nikola Jokic is the fulcrum of your offense. Mason Plumlee is a good passing center, but it's just not going to be the same. I mean, I think the the bench unit actually has some pretty good chemistry. I think the pieces fit pretty well there. Um, the the Monte Morris Mason Plumlee pick and roll has, has been useful for them so far. Um, my biggest, I guess, disappointment with the bench so far is, is probably we really haven't seen Trey Lyles get going. He kind of yeah. did a, a little bit tonight. He had back-to-back dunks, but there just haven't been that many standout moments for Lyles, and really he's a guy who I thought could be kind of an X factor for this team coming into the year. During the preseason, that was one of our big takeaways, that the bench unit was really playing through Trey Lyles. And maybe that's a lesson that we shouldn't, 
take the preseason as seriously as we did. Look, I think there were a lot of things we saw in the preseason that have carried over to the regular season. And the bench was really solid in the preseason. They've been pretty good in the regular season, but probably not as good as they were for those three or four games where they really shined uh, in preseason action. And in the preseason, they played around Lyles, and we haven't really seen that a ton throughout these first four games, I think. Like, what I remember back from watching the bench in the preseason was every time the Nuggets would get a switch, every time Monte Morris and Trey Lyles would run a pick and roll, Lyles would get Morris's guy switched onto him. He'd take him right to the block or right to the wing or the elbow and just go to work. The Nuggets would get him the ball. He'd back his guy down, shoot a little jumper, or, you know, just get to the line or something. We haven't really seen that a ton. Like, Lyles has been active offensively, but he's kind of been getting his offense in different ways, I feel like, than he did throughout the preseason. Maybe I'm totally off on that, but I'm not sure. I like this bench unit. I like Wancho being in this bench unit. I'm glad he's playing. Played 25 minutes tonight. The bench played a lot tonight because this game was out of hand in the second half. I just like watching Wancho run up and down the court. Did you see the guy in a gray poncho with the word Wancho stitch across it tonight? No, definitely Wancho not. Poncho, what a legend. <laughs> that is legendary. Um, I did think Malik Beasley was probably the best player from the bench tonight. 5 of 10 shooting, 11 points, had that big block. Uh, one of three from three in 19 minutes. I thought he had a really solid night. But um, this bench has improved. That's the biggest takeaway. They've been a little up and down over these first four games, but they're definitely improved from what they were last year. And like I said a little earlier in the show, if they can hold even once these starters head to the bench and just hold a lead or if the score is close or if the score is tied, just keep it there and wait for the starters to get back and maybe extend the lead or you know battle it out in the fourth quarter in a tight game. That's what this bench needs to do. No more, no less. All right, well, I think that's all we got for today's show. Recording late here, Tuesday night. You'll probably hear this on Wednesday. A big game on tap for Thursday. The Nuggets in L.A. against the Lakers. Nuggets have spent a lot of time in L.A. this preseason and season already. They've played the Lakers a lot. This will be the third time they're playing the Lakers here uh, in the early going, including the preseason. But again, if you guys got questions for the show, hit up the Total Beverage Fan hotline, 1-800-BSN-8394. That's 1-800-BSN-8394. If you've never called before, all it is is an answering machine, so leave your name, leave where you're calling from, and leave a question for the show. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back soon.